Yeah, thanks for coming to listen to this. Uh, this is the Wilderness Walks, and I'm Fred, and we're going for a walk. Um, it's early in the season. It's, it's like after Christmas here, and it's dark right now. I don't even see a moon, and I'm heading out. I live in Haida Gwaii, and uh, I love it here. I mean, obviously, it's a perfect place for me. Temperate rainforest, coastal environment, you know, really great forests, etc. And uh, if you got an interest in a passion like I do for nature, you'd understand why I live where I do. And uh, I'm just going for a walk. Like it's pitch black out here, and I'm gonna, I'm a, I have to do something. I got to get creative with my life, and uh, I'm really interested in nature and. Uh, I just want to try this out. I'm going to do podcasts. I just want to share what I see with you. And if you want to listen, then do. It's awesome. So I'm basically going out here, and it's completely dark, and I'm heading out my door. I live in the woods. We live off grid. I got to step over a deadfall here right now and turn on my flashlight. <clears throat> I'm kind of hoping I can call up some owls. Uh, we have sawwood owls here. And they're a really small owl, uh, about eight inches tall. Uh, they're found basically throughout Canada, um, except we have a different morph here, a little darker, and they have some interesting behavioral characteristics <clears throat> that make them unique. And you know, things like feeding in tide pools. Like, what owls do that, right? And this is in Canada. So that's pretty cool. Little tiny owls, pretty tame. They can come up close. I can usually call them up to me. It's it's uh, December, end of December now. So I haven't heard any calling at all yet this time of the year, but I'm gonna try it anyways. Mostly because I want to get out here and try my podcasting equipment that I have here and see how this goes. This is something I think I want to do. I spend a lot of time in the woods alone. And I'm going to try and make sense of it in such a way that I can share it to others because I feel so fortunate getting to do what I do. Uh, in my spare time, I should say, when I'm booting around in the woods. So I'm walking out of the forest and into a ecotone of a break heading now into the sand dune environment and so it's an edge edge environment uh, what that means basically is I've just walked out of the forest and now I'm in the sand dunes and in dune grass you might be able to hear the ocean out there um, it's pretty calm out but those are just the waves crashing they live with that constantly here. We get some crazy winds here where we live in Haida Gwaii. Crazy winds like most people don't know about. And uh, quite invigorating to live through the storm set <clears throat> we all experience here as islanders. <clears throat> I'm trying not to trip. I am using a flashlight so that helps. I'm booting through my little campsite here where friends come and camp when they visit and now we're heading 
through this deer trail. I'm just going to um, stand over here. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got a scratch in my throat. I'm going to try to call some owls. So it's going to might be embarrassing for me to do this because I doubt they're going to call back at this point. But here we go. I'm going to give it a go anyhow. So this is me doing a solid call. Actually, um, if I don't hear these owls, but you can listen to my sawwood calls, and as silly as they sound, they work. And I can call the owls right up to me. And so could you if you tried this at the right season. Here we go. expect to hear anything right now so maybe on the wrong tangent try again Usually you got to do that for quite a while and wait. Really, I'm just trying to try out this podcasting thing for the first time. So, maybe what I'll do is just keep cruising. See what I can see in the dark here. I'm going to go down to the beach. We have a pretty wild beach here. Relative to other places. What I mean by that is, it's an open coastline here. I'm currently walking down to the beach on the eastern portion of Graham Island uh, in the settlement area where I live called Tallel, along the Tallel River. And we're at the southern end of Nyakoon Provincial Park. And this coastal edge here has one of the longest stretches of beaches in all of British Columbia. And we're the northernmost um, well, we have the largest representation of sand dunes in this part of the province. You can basically walk up the coast here to the north end of the tip from my house. I mean, you can go further than that from if you start further south, but it's about 60 kilometers to the north end. And some people take that for a walk and it takes about four days to get to the top end of the island up to a place called Rosepit which is a 
awesome, awesome place that I could describe. That's a big sand spit that goes way out to the north part of our island off the coast and looking towards Alaska. It's a great place to go when you walk out there at low tide. It's kind of hard to get to. You go out there and you can walk way out into the ocean uh, at low tide because at high tide it's all underwater like 20 feet. Quite a place. You got seals surfing on either side of the of the, the gravel bar that you're walking out to for kilometers. You know, sea lions bobbing in the surf. Lots of red-throated loons, which I love. And you can find murrelets there. Certain times of the year, the gray whales and are feeding in there. And also humpbacks. All manner of seabirds. All kinds of stuff. We got murrelets, ancient murrelets, marbled murrelets. Surf scoters, black scoters. I mean, I can name a zillion seabirds that do hang out there, which I enjoy hanging out with them. But of course, I'm not there right now. I'm walking along in the dark, trying my first podcast. Now, of course, <clears throat> this is just a ramble, uh, a walking ramble and a verbal ramble. It's an experiment. It's an experiment. I spent a lot of my life in the bush uh, in Haida Gwaii and throughout part, other parts of Canada. And I love doing that. Spent a lot of time tracking wolves, uh, the Eastern Canadian wolf. I just like hanging out with them, mostly reading sign in the snow uh, and seeing them also and finding their kills. And hanging out with the eagles in the east there, on the kills. But, that's not where I am right now. I've just come to the edge of the shoreline where I am, which is in the front of our, where we live, uh, in Nyakoon Park here. And uh, we get horrendous storms here. We've been getting some major storms. Um, you know, you hear about storms that you get in Florida or down in the Gulf or other parts of the world, typhoons and all that kind of stuff with heavy winds. Well, we get those winds regularly here in the winter and you never hear about them on the news. We just endure them. And uh, so I'm basically standing at the edge of a big cut bank which I can't even get down to now because of the last few storms this season has really eroded the shoreline here. Like we're getting a lot of shoreline erosion here in Haida Gwaii in different places. The storms are really doing a lot of eating away at parts of the coastline. Of course they're depositing the sediments other places. But it's really noticeable. Like uh, this beach in front of my house has been transformed over the last 10 years, I'll say. <clears throat> we used to have tons and tons of logs on the beach here. Uh, just driftwood logs. And they've, in the storms, all been picked up and taken away. And then the bank where I'm standing right now, it drops about, I mean, it's only about 15 feet. 
but it's a sharp bank whereas before it used to just be a kind of a gentle bank and we've lost you know maybe 10 feet in the front here just in the last couple of years storms anyways that's storms I'm going on on storms so I'm looking around me right now and there's no moon see the silhouette of the forest uh, and I'm looking up coast I can see the, the white foam of the waves and if I turn my flashlight on I can see the high tide mark with all the seaweed and rock weeds and kelp that we get in the storms too. That's stuff I use for my gardens. I think I may have mentioned already we live off grid so we obviously have a garden, and uh, I like to use the seaweeds to fertilize that garden and build the soil. Combine that with um, forest soil that we have from the rainforest here. And then I go up coast a little bit, and there's some peats there, and we get the peat out of the peat bogs, mix that with the forest soil and the uh, underling um, substrates of sand, and then the seaweed on there. Oh, that's good stuff. Grow some really good good stuff with that. I made a big mistake of bringing in horse manure once from the farm and brought all the invasive species into my garden which now I have to weed like crazy and uh, where I never had to do that before before I brought in the horse manure. So I really wish that I hadn't done that. I wish I had just stuck to my seaweed regime uh, because I get really good nutrients from that and it works really well and it doesn't bring in the invasives. So I'm going to start again and try to recreate my garden this year. Yeah, but uh, now I'm way away from the owl habitat. My initial uh, idea was to go for sawwits. So I'm going to go back into the forest. I'm just trying to do this for like 20 minutes. This is the first one. And see if I can't do this. So this one in here is not going to be that interesting. Probably. Maybe you're finding this interesting. I hope that you are. And I'm going to get better at this because I'm determined to share my experiences with you guys. Because, to tell you the truth, I spend a lot of time alone. I'm quite a hermit. Uh, sometimes I'll do guiding. I've done a lot more in the past. I'm also a carpenter and a timber framer. So, I spend a lot of time building for people. Crazy timber frame homes, beach funk stuff made out of driftwood and whatnot, and you can do that stuff and make a living here. I have. It's all very eclectic, but I've got a good life and I enjoy it, and I feel very fortunate here to be here in the home of the Haida, their homeland. I'm a settler. I know that, and I try to be very cognizant of that fact and just be a stand-up guy in my community as best I can. In the meantime, I cruise through the bush as well. Spent a lot of time <clears throat> on the seabird colonies here, uh, doing work with ancient murelets, which are a type of seabird, pelagic seabird, little tiny bird that lives in the ocean all its time. In the Pacific, no one knows much about what they do, but they do come and breed here and, and raise their young here in Haida Gwaii. So I spent a lot of time with them, as well as cats and zocklets, and tufted puffins, and 
northern goshawk. Well, really, we have our Queen Charlotte goshawk here, which is a subspecies of the northern goshawk. It's quite rare, probably the rarest form of goshawk in the world, at the very least in North America. Really cool bird. Uh, yeah, I spent some time with bears, doing bear stuff. Spent a lot of time with bears this year, tracking the bears, basically just following them around and trying to understand them better. Um, they're probably one of the more charismatic of the, you know, they're the big bears. I mean, we got the biggest black bears in the world here in Haida Gwaii. So sometimes that can be quite startling when you come up close to one of those big suckers. But they're so beautiful, and they're so magnificent, and they're just cool characters. It's kind of fun to hang out with them. Most of the time, I don't really hang out with them. Uh, what I do is I track them. And it's not just bears I track. I like to do tracking. It's fun to do it in the snow. It's a, little, it's a little harder here in the rainforest because of the substrate on the ground. But there's a lot of signs that once you get knowing, you can find them. And you can start interpreting and following them. I find interpreting sign to be, I'm talking about wildlife sign, just a lot of fun. And it's um, very entertaining if you're into nature. So the more you, I mean, I don't spend any time, hardly at all, on computers. We just recently got a phone. Oop, there's a fucking deer. It's weird how they get spooky like that. <laughs> Oop. Yeah. Yeah, so the butts are hanging out here. Sometimes, oh man, I've been in like some of the island ecosystems here, the smaller outer islands. We have deer, they're invasive, sick of deer, but, and they're everywhere. But, and you don't really think of deer as uh, being spooky or, or scary. But when you're deep in the 12-foot high Salal, if you know what that is, it's like a woody shrub we have here on the coast. 12-foot high, that's just crazy, but we get that here. It's like a jungle when you're in it. And uh, I've done a lot of bush work. So anyways, blah blah But inside of the deep bush, <clears throat> you get deer and they make weird sounds like, and they'll stomp their feet, and uh, it's basically a kind of like a challenge to you. <laughs> so when you're in there, and you see these little swamp bucks with their antlers, and they're kind of stout little guys. They're not that big, the ones we have here, but still, if you let things race through your head and they're challenging you while you're deep in the woods, you're not used to seeing humans, uh, especially in the fall, during the rut. I don't know. I guess if you're a big hunter dude, you think I'm a, probably a puss, but um, I'm not really. I just, uh, oh, there we go. Look at this. What the hell? Yeah, so now I'm walking around at night here and I can see an area, there's the bears have been digging here. Yeah, they get, they like to cruise along the dunes. They haven't been doing it right now, but they've been doing it this summer. They cruise along here and forage quite a bit, even though there's not really a lot to eat for them, except ants. They're eating the ants. They love to eat the ants. And I just observed a couple of digs here. I'm just walking by them because I keep moving. But uh, yeah, so there's a, I can see evidences of bears digging here. And I'm wandering around in the dark, not knowing where I'm going. 
I know where I'm going. I'm just not paying attention that well. So I'm talking to you guys. So I'm stumbling around a bit. I'm going to try to get in deeper. Going back into the woods now. We're in the regen at the edge of the dunes. And we've got all the Sitka spruce here. Ooh. And it's, uh, you know, not too high. But now we're transitioning into the deeper woods. And the trees are getting a lot bigger and it's open underneath. So I'll get there in a minute and I'll try calling the owls there. They seem to kind of like this broken habitat. They like a lot of the interior forest, but they have to have. They like a lot of this edge habitat. And like I say, they'll even go down to the beach and scoop stuff out of the tide pools. Have you ever heard of an owl doing that? And they're like eight inches tall. I had one last year that I, um, no, it wasn't last year, it was a few years ago. I found one on the highway and I rehabilitated him. And he was, he'd been hit by a truck or car, just standing in the highway, eight inch tall owl, stunned. So I just went and picked him up and brought him home, kept him calm, etc. You can see he had a hematoma on his eye, I think that's what you call it, like a blood clot. So he was a little shaken and stunned. But after a few days, I kept him in a room that I was, I'm a carpenter, so I had a free room that was all drywalled, but no flooring in yet, so it was a perfect safe space for him, and I kept a box on the floor, and I'd put mice, live mice in the box, and I had a little perch in the room, and uh, as soon as he first I started feeding him in a smaller box. I'd put a live, live mouse uh, nearby, not that it would attack him, but close to him, where he could drop down on. Boy, once they um, sort of psych in or sight in that mouse and decide they're gonna go for it. They just go for it, bam! And then they go kill the dang thing, and then they're there. And they're just there in front of you, they're quite tame. I was really proud of that little guy. Um, and yeah, it's fun to spend a little bit of time with a little owl like that and then release him later. I had a number of uh, rehabs I did recently with wild birds, uh, other than the owl, let's see. There was a red-throated loon. That's a whole episode in itself. Or a couple, because that was a wild experience. They're such an awesome bird. Red-throated loon. Look it up. If you don't know what a red-throated loon is, Google it. And then uh, take a good look at the, the serene wisdom that you can see when you're looking deep into their eyes. They're just so ancient of a being, and they're just so beautiful. Just so calm and just so composed. They're just awesome little birds. They're the smallest of all the loons that we have here. We have four species of loons here that hang out in the wintertime, largest being the yellow-billed loon, which I've only seen a few of here, but I have seen them, and they're awesome, especially when the bills are, in fact, yellow. They have a slight upturn to their bill, which is a little different than the common loon, which they look pretty much identical to, only bigger with a yellow bill. Then we have the Arctic loon, and we have the red-throated loon, let's see, Arctic, red-throated, common, and yellow-billed, yeah, that's the four. I guess I better not start listing birds, because that could just be, you know, 
going off into a tangent again. So, I'm just going to talk. And I'm going to try calling a loon again. Well, not a loon. <laughs> a sawwit. Here we go. one calls back then you can hear that and then you'll be able to compare that to the one I just didn't see what that sounds like I'm not really expecting them to I'm just trying it out it's early in the season it's quite cold out tonight for here for where we live we're down at sea level but it's you know it's probably like minus three tonight it's frosty and cold my hands are freezing right now because I don't have gloves on I'm just trying this because I've been encouraged to try this by family and friends who know me as a crazy naturalist guy who just is obsessed. I'm not really obsessed. I used to be obsessed. I'm more relaxed about nature now. But I can't seem to allow myself to ever leave the islands too much or go anywhere too far away unless I have a real reason to leave here. And then usually I have fun whenever I do, but when I come back, I'm happy. Just like being here. And yeah. So, try it again. We'll just keep walking. I mean, it's not that easy. You can't just go out and call two or three times and expect the owls to show up. I learned more about Solid Owls from a good buddy of mine, Tim one point in history will probably join me in some of these podcasts because I'm going to ask him to and force him to. Only he lives back in Ontario right now. He's my old naturalist buddy. We spent a lot of time in snow blinds watching the eagles back east, including we had like a lot of balds there. Um, we would feed them. Get, there's a trapper lady that lived down the road and she would give us all her carcasses. And then we would get the make a big snowbank, put the carcasses in there, uh, mostly beavers, coyotes, uh, otters, weasels, uh, da, 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 da. yeah that's mostly it. Uh, well, some of the coyotes we had were actually hybrids with wolves, that's the eastern Canadian wolf, um, which you can google that too, quite a unique species, I love them, spent a lot of time tracking them with my Rottweiler Hercules. He was really good. We used to put him on a harness. He'd tow me on skis and we'd track all day through the snow. And again, you'd hardly ever see the wolves. You'd just follow their sign and then, you know, find the kills. And then, uh, which would a lot of times be out on the ice or up out of, you know, some creek by a beaver, frozen beaver pond. And then uh, in that little area, quite often you'd spook the eagles would be feeding on the deer. And uh, the ravens there, too, are a giveaway. The ravens there are way more cryptic. I mean, they don't like humans, so they're, they're way shy, is what I mean. 
as compared to here on the coast, especially on Haida Gwaii. We have the big ravens here, and we have the big eagles. And of course, the, the ravens and the eagles have been living with humans forever here, as they have around the world. But they live in profusion here, and uh, of course, the Haida people have been here for you know, well over 10,000 years in this place. So they're, they have a relationship with humans that's unique uh, compared to many other places. So you can really approach the ravens here and you can really approach the eagles quite easily. I mean, let's see, I'm, I'm also in a band here. Uh, we play rock and roll and we're a dance band on island. And we were in Skidigat one time a few years ago. And between sets, I was going outside to take a break and it was getting dark, it was dusky out. Almost dark, like 20 minutes away. And there's a woman down the, in the village there putting fish guts and stuff out on the low tide like we do here to get rid of them and uh, in no time at all I counted over 70 eagles flying in in almost darkness down towards the beach. It was a Hitchcock scene and uh, I mean I've even seen eagles hunting at night in murelet colonies on the west coast of Haida Gwaii inside the forest with no moon. I mean, I've never heard of that before, and I've never heard anyone else who's observed that. And, uh, oh, even with the sawwits, like um, one time I was doing uh, songbird surveys in Guayanas National Park as part of a biophysical inventory. And, uh, see, I was down in Skungwai, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Google it. I'm not going to keep saying Google it. I don't even have the internet. I live off grid. I'm a technophobe. So I'm going to get my son to upload this stuff for me because he says he'll help me. You know, luckily I have people around that understand, understand me. Um, and will help me like that. Because I kind of live in a bubble the way I live. And uh, I just kind of wish the world wasn't going the direction that it is. I just wish we were all more interested and we all cared more about Mother Nature. I mean, ultimately we come from nature, we're all part of it, we're all space dust and all that. You can think of all the big uh, philosophical concepts that we seem to always forget. All the big questions, the great spirit that moves within all things, within all of us. We negate that and go to war and and factionalize ourselves, etc. But I'm not going to go there. I'm going to stop that now. I'm going to try and call another owl. I keep calling for the owls here. so slightly too so try to practice that when I'm calling I don't normally do it publicly 
And of course, I'm not even doing it publicly now, except for the fact that I might upload this and you might be hearing it, in which case it will become public. I just decided not to be embarrassed about what it is I'm doing. I'm just going to do it anyways. And I encourage others to do that too. Step out and be yourself. Be yourself. And uh, try to um, <clears throat> let others do the same. As long as you have good intent in your heart, is what I figure, you're good to go. You're not intentionally trying to hurt anyone. You're going with a good heart. You can believe what you believe. Be open to let others do the same. Especially if you realize they're leading themselves around with a good heart. I find nature is a good foundation for me to always reflect. I spend a lot of time pondering in the woods, alone, probably more than most people. Oh, I get a bit weird sometimes when I'm going to town. Uh, you know, it might seem a little odd. Like for instance, if I go off the island and go into town, I say hi to people on the street. And then that only lasts for the first four hours. And I realize that's the wrong thing to do when I'm in the city because people give you sideways glances and all that. They're like, who are you to say hello to me? You must be a freak. I don't think I'm a freak. And I don't think they're freaky, but it's just weird that you can't connect with people so much anymore. Uh, I mean, that's not entirely true. I'm, gonna, I'm making a broad statement. That's not true. I don't really believe that. You can connect with people. And uh, even maybe in this rambling way, I'm doing that now. This is not a professional podcast, as you might imagine. <laughs> it's just me rambling on going through the woods here. And of course, I'm doing this uh, just because I want to. And of course, there's no owls out here tonight. I mean, they're here, but they're not paying attention to me because it's a little too early in the season. But, um, you know, maybe next time, a little later, I will come out, and if you ever do listen to this, and I do, well, I'm going to keep going, so don't worry if for some reason you find this interesting. There's going to be more, and I'm going to get better at it. This is just my first time, and we're in the woods. And, you know, I'm trying to keep this, these little rambles that I'm going to start doing. I'm just practicing, so I'm going to try to keep them down to about 20 minutes or so. I have no idea how long this has been. But I'm going to assume it's been about 20 minutes. So I just want to say, if you've hung in there this far with me today, my name's Fred, by the way, and this is Fred Walks, or actually Wilderness Walks. That's what I'm going to call it. And uh, I just want to thank you for hanging in there with me. And uh, maybe it's kind of enjoyable to hear some bush, bushed out guy talking about owls and other things. But there's going to be a whole lot more because, you know, I've been in, I've been cruising through the woods most of my life. I'm getting older now. See, I'm 57, and uh, so the thousands of miles I've been through the bush, you know, it's all inside my head. And how the heck do you explain that to others that have never been there? So I'm going to venture further afield from here. This is just me starting out, walking out in a moonless night. But we're going to go places. And uh, I'm going to go places and I'm going to try and share that with you. Now a lot of this 
concept actually has been inspired by my cousin Parker, who died of multiple sclerosis. And uh, I spent some seasons on the uh, seabird colonies, and I used to walk around with a microphone clipped onto the beak of my my cap, had a stereo mic on there, and I would basically take field notes as I was walking through the bush all day, as well as record birds and other wildlife sounds. And I started creating these tapes, which I wanted to send my cousin Parker while he was laying in the fetal position near death. And I just thought his, he was still there though, he was inside that shell of his, of his body. And uh, I thought it might be helpful. So if any of you, you know, want to listen up later, we're going to get into some really great stuff. This is just the beginning. And this is just me stretching my legs, looking for owls too early in the season. Anyways, thanks for listening. And then we're going to do it again soon. All right. Thanks again for hanging in there.